You are listening to episode 135 of Game Deflators Podcast. My name's John, and I'm joined by Ryan. Hey, everybody here at the Game Deflators Podcast. We like to talk about games we've recently picked up, games we're currently playing, and we're right in the center of the frame in this week's Inflation Deflation Challenge. I was really thinking you were going to say uh, zero one. Is that right on that one? Yeah, so I was trying to work something in there, and I, I try very hard for these, and I didn't want to just throw whatever out there. I thought this was I thought this was gonna work better. I was trying to do something with like a like a three two zero one go, but I just couldn't get it to work. Nice. Yeah. Well, uh, I still liked it, and if you haven't gotten the hint yet, this week we played Pokemon Snap on the Nintendo sixty four, uh, not the Switch. We just don't feel like. Popping down 60 bucks right now, I guess, for a, a Switch game of Pokemon Snap. But we uh, we are willing to to play something I have in hand. Uh, so we'll talk about that a little later in the podcast here for our Inflation Deflation Challenge. Uh, but first, Ryan, as always, did you have any pickups this week? I picked up my pen and I wrote down in my book all of the games coming out at E3 that I want to purchase. And before we get into E3 stuff, we'll talk about that later. Yes, I have a purchase on the horizon. Starting in July, the play date will officially be available for pre-order. And I'm going to get the play date and I'm going to get the cute little Bluetooth speaker that you put it on the front of and it makes it look like a little TV. And I'm going to get it's got like a little pen that comes with it. It's going to be awesome. This it's going to change is, my life and everything's going to be better. This man is far too excited for the play date. Dude, you, you've been talking about it for like a year. Dude, did you see the release thing for it? No, not okay. yet. Okay, you got to check it out. It's like it's like a 15-minute video, I think, um, but they show off a lot of uh, stuff about it. Um, not a whole lot of actual gameplay, but the guy who did, uh, I think it's Papers, Please, and Overden, uh, he's making a game for it that looks really cool. And, I mean, when you see the graphics that this thing is putting out for just like a a two-tone display like it's really incredible looking and they're also releasing like a whole suite of like game dev tools and stuff that are all just accessible through a browser so anyone anywhere can make a game for this and i've been like I, i've thought about like game ideas for years and years and i'm like you know maybe this will be the thing maybe i'll get this play date and do a little dev kit with it or something. That'd be cool. This will be Ryan's big break in uh, right. video game creation. Two-tone video games on the play date. <laughs> uh, so just a quick note, because Ryan's been uh, feverishly writing games he wants to purchase after E3. This is part one of two for our E3 roundup. So we typically record on Saturdays or Sundays. And E3 day one is the only thing that we've had a chance to see yet. Yeah. So uh, next week, we'll be covering our E3 the roundup. Rest. The rest of it, yeah. Uh, so we do have some E3 stuff here today that we'll talk about. And um, we'll get into it here in a bit. You uh, people in the future, uh, <laughs> let us know what your favorite part of E3 was. Day true. one. <laughs> yeah, make your comments on our social media, at Game Deflators on Twitter, at The Game Deflators on Instagram, Facebook. And of course, catch this episode and other podcast episodes from the Game Deflators on thegamedeflators.com, as well as podcast applications such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Podcast Addict, and so on. Uh, all right. Did you play anything this week? Okay, so I beat Resident oh, Evil hold, 8. Hold on. Hold on. Did, what was that B word? Beat. Well, Beat? I oh. finished Resident Evil 8. That's like foreign to you. Dude, I know. It's been a while. 
Like, I hope Resident Evil 7 wasn't the last game I beat. <laughs> it definitely I, wasn't, because I beat RE4. Yeah, I was going to say, you beat RE4 recently. Yeah. So, um... It was really good. Uh, the last half of it got, like, a little weird, so, like... It's... Definitely got some of those things with Resident Evil where it's meant to be played again and again. Like, you know, it's not that long of a game once you really break it down. Um, all the weapon upgrades and stuff are really cool. They've got a, like a whole host suite of like post-game content. Not only did they bring back mercenaries, which I've never really been a fan of. Uh, it just wasn't really my thing. I might try some of that this time. I don't know yet. But there's also like you get like... Uh, some kind of game currency for completing tasks and going through different playthroughs and like getting so many kills and stuff. And then you can use those to basically buy extra content, like unlimited ammo and new guns for purchase in game and stuff. So there's a lot of things and you basically get points for playing mercenaries. You get points for doing all the different things in the campaign, getting so many kills, getting so many kills with certain weapons. Like there's a lot of ways to earn points and a lot of stuff to unlock. Um, so, so a question for you overall, where does this rank on your list of Resident Evil games? Um, so cause you played pretty much all of them, right? No, I, I started with four and I've played everything from four on when well, you played three, didn't you to remake? No, I have two remake. Gotcha. And I've played some of that, but never finished it, but I've not really played one and I've not really played three. I've never played like code Veronica or, any of those other like kind of side ones, Resident Evil Zero. I never played any of those, but like this it was really good. It's at least as fun as like RE5. Like there's a lot of stuff that it has in it that remind me so much of RE4 and are better in a lot of ways. But there's just something about RE4 that's like it, it holds me because it was like my first one. But um everything was so great and uh yeah i finished that i love it can't recommend it enough i definitely say it's probably like my second favorite i like it more than i like it more than seven i think just because i think seven was i don't think there's as much to go back and do in that one as there feels like there is in this one and also the enemies in seven were really like like the Baker family was great, but like all the random other sludge zombie things were just not really that imaginative or scary or interesting. But like the enemy diversity uh, in this is at least a little bit better. And like they're more they're definitely more challenging the way they move and stuff. It's kind of harder to like get all those shots in. So, um, yeah, that was RE8. And then after that, you'll never guess what I did. Hmm. Did you did you play uh your new game's resolution? No, I started RE8 again on hardcore in New Game Plus. <laughs> and now I'm three quarters of the way through it again. Oh my god. And I've been like just funneling all my money into upgrading my weapons and I'm just like blowing through the story. I'm getting 100% of the items this time because there was items that I missed last time. And uh, it's even more fun the second time around. And it's like I tried to do hardcore before. So I started the game, played it with my wife a little bit. She kind of didn't want to do it anymore and then kind of thought about maybe wanting to see some more of it. And so I started a new file and I tried to start a new file on hardcore and I couldn't even kill the first, the first enemy in the game yeah. with the starting equipment. Yeah. But on new game plus boom, I've got like my 
souped up shotgun, bam, <laughs> like one yeah. shot. So it's like way more actiony. It takes a lot of the tension out, but it is cool to go back through and know what you know. Like the second area, and this isn't too huge as spoilers. Um, the second area is like a totally different type of gameplay than the rest of the game because it's like, it's like a survival horror without weapons, something more like Outlast or something like that, where, you know, there's no enemies to fight, but there's also no like looting to be done. Like you've been spinning the first chunk of the game, like constantly checking the map, making sure you're getting all the secret hidden items and everything. And then you come to this space and it's like, you should realize when you first walk in the door and you walk up to like, there's an exact cabinet, just like the ones in the castle, you were just opening in every room to get an item out of, and there's just no prompt to open it. And it's like, I was surprised that even though this was my second time through and remembering there wasn't really items to get, still wanting to check all those places. But it's like the game is almost telling you like right away, like, look, you've opened this in another place. Doesn't open here. There's no items here. And it's like, now I kind of see some of those things and it's like, okay, cool. And it feels really good to go through again in like New Game Plus and just kind of be able to like wreck through stuff. I, I think it's fun. I think this is a game I'll definitely continue to revisit. It might become one day better than RE4 for me. Like I never speed ran RE4, but I beat it like I tried to beat it three times in one day once because I had the beat time down to like under five hours or six hours or something just running through with an unlimited ammo gun. Like it was easy and the rocket, you had a rocket launcher that you could kill every boss with. Yeah. So it was pretty easy in that one. It doesn't really have that as much in this one. I don't think at least not that I've unlocked yet, but um, I think that this is a game that like would be fun, especially once I get a PS five eventually and I'll be able to play it like, you know, in 4k and stuff. I think then it'll definitely be like, okay, I'm revisiting this again. Gotcha. Well, I know one thing is you've got to beat some Mario Odyssey and Persona. I think I might be able to beat RE8 again today. And then I'll ride off of that momentum back into Odyssey. And then I'll ride that momentum into cramming <laughs> Persona probably into like the last three months of the year again. We'll see, folks. I don't, I don't know if he's going to do it. I know he has to play Blue's Clues. Dude, and there's so many other games and stuff coming out in the future that I want to play. I feel so, like, trapped by our own stupid thing that I should have just done. Like, I need to have the game that I'm playing and then dabble in other things. But it just always takes me wholly away from it. Well, I'm confident you'll get Odyssey done. I'm still kind of questioning that Persona one. We'll see how that goes. We'll see. I said the same thing last year, and <sighs> I'm always ready Ryan. to disappoint. Yes. All right. So uh, for me, this week I had quite a few pickups actually. Now that the house is in order, uh, I picked up a Brawler 64 controller. So the Nintendo 64 controller that's not garbage. Um, I picked up a Demon Throttle for both of us. So it was uh, shown at E3. Uh, got that one locked in Thank you. through special reserve. No problem. And then I also picked up uh, last tinker city of colors. Uh, some never heard. <laughs> yeah. I'd never heard of it either. It just happened to pop up on my Amazon. I'm like, this looks interesting. So I just grabbed it. Some What's sort it of for? PS4, some sort of platformer. Hmm. Yeah. So I just grabbed it. Um, 3d platformer. 
Uh, so yeah, those are my pickups this week. And um, I'm trying to think if I have any D&D stuff, but no. Oh, and I picked up a a box of Modern Horizons 2 for Magic. I got the pre-order down on that one, and that'll be coming to my house here pretty soon as well. Um, let's see. In terms of currently playing, I am playing Biomutant, but the reason I'm playing Biomutant is because I beat Conker's Bad Fur Day this week. Really? Yes. Like one and done? I, I guess it's been two weeks. Uh, no, I mean, we recorded last week, so after our recording last week... Um, I went ahead and uh, booted up Conkers on like Monday, I think, because I beat Jade Cocoon okay. during. I beat Jade yeah, Cocoon on Sunday, true. I believe, and after I beat Jade Cocoon uh, the next night, I went ahead and jumped into Conkers. Uh, so I started playing that and got through like the first thirty minutes or so. I'm like, yeah, this is pretty good. Next day, I was just completely hooked at night, and I just I ended up beating it yesterday actually. So it was no, no, I didn't beat it yesterday. I beat it on Friday. Friday. Yeah, Friday night I beat it. And holy crap, dude. Spoiler alert, if you've never played Conquers, that is the most depressing ending for a video game I've ever played. Like, it truly was a bad fur day for him. Yeah. Like, have you played it all in the past or not? No. So, I mean, I'll go into a little bit. I mean, it's obviously a platform for a lot of breaking the fourth wall uh, with Conquer. And uh, super, like, materialistic, loves his money, uh, loves sex, of course, uh, the entire time he's... You know, I remember the horny flower. Yeah, so the horny flower, and he <laughs> there's a whole scene where he gets the king bee to go to the horny flower and, and do what he wants to do to the horny flower and uh, pollinates it. And then Conker, like, it just has a scene of him, like, watching, but you have the moaning in the background. His eyes are just like, what? Like, just kind of twisting to the side. Um, and then she has him jump on his boobs like a trampoline, or has him jump on her boobs. Uh, so that was interesting. And there was the Great and Mighty Pooh, which was quite possibly the best uh, song I've ever heard in video game history. Yeah. Quite possibly the best song. Um, we had the Panther King, who then had an alien burst out of him at the end, like the actual Xenomorph, which is the final boss battle. That was insane. Um, and then there's the whole aspect of, you know, his... I'm not going to go too much into this part, but there's a lot of uh, depression at the end of it where at the end of the day, like he thinks he has everything he wants, but he really doesn't. And it's just him sitting on this throne. And of course, that's at the very beginning of the game, him sitting on the throne and how he got there. But he's just sitting on his throne, like angry and depressed over everything that has occurred during his bad fur day. And I mean, it literally does take place over the course of a day. So it starts you off in the morning, everything that's happening, leads you through, and then you complete the rest of it during the nighttime. Um, I was interested a lot in the, uh, in the context, uh, I think it's context sensitive, I think is what it's called, uh, where you jump on and use the B button to do certain things, such as like getting a shotgun or, uh, well, you get the shotgun at the very beginning, or not at the very beginning, sorry, during the graveyard. Um, but that was a, a context thing, I guess, when you get into that level. Uh, you have like the slingshot, you have uh, conquer fireballs that you can launch at um, TNT guys. Like it's it's pretty insane, like how the game works. And uh, to be honest, it might be, it, despite it being hard to an extent, it was actually very easy too. like it's super forgiving. So throughout the game, you've got like your lives like you would in like Banjo-Kazooie and your, your chocolate bars you collect for life. But if, say for example, you went into a tunnel, Right. And that leads you to like the next part of that one level and you die within that area. It just restarts you back at the tunnel. And if you like beat a boss, for example, and you're still in that same area and say you die from a small enemy, 
the boss is gone, like you beat it. So it it autosaves and progresses you nicely. And then the autosave function, God, it's phenomenal, dude. You can like beat something, walk into a tunnel, autosave, done. Like you don't have to worry about it, like it's done. And so I think that was like pretty refreshing in a sense. The only thing that really annoyed me about this game uh, was the fact that it was on an N64. I mean, really, at the end of the day. So that's why I bought the Brawler controller, because I, I literally got a callus built on my thumb this past week from just that just stupid, that. just that one week of playing this damn game. So at this point, it's like, if I want to play another N64 game in the future, I need to have a better controller. I will I will stand here and say that, or sit here and say, that the N64 has the most garbage controller in the history of all video games. Like, I don't even care what else is out there. That controller's trash. I don't even know why they produced it. So I, it's, you know, even, even worse than the power glove, even worse than a power glove. Yeah. And so I think it is by far the worst controller. I mean, they made third party companies made controllers specifically for, it. I think Hori released like controllers as well. The wave birds were always what I played with. Yeah. Well, not in 64. Oh, oh no. Yeah. Why am I thinking? Yeah. I'm a generation. You're ahead. thinking, you're thinking. Yeah. GameCube. N64. Yeah, was, I mean, I don't, I don't think there's a I controller. I guess I only ever played that. stock N64. I don't know why I was thinking GameCube. And what's crazy is like I can play the Wii, no problem. But the Wii has a bigger like thumbstick on the top of it, so that kind of helps. The N64 like just original controllers are just terrible. They're just not. They're just bad, dude. I would never wish that controller my worst enemy. So there's a a reason. I think that you know what, looking back on it. That's probably the core reason I never did own a Nintendo 64 was because of a poor controller design. So me growing up, it was, you know, why am I going to play on this terrible controller when I can have a DualShock? I guess I never had that much of an opinion on it. I always thought that's just how it was and I was fine with it. Yeah, no, I, uh, I've always hated it. And now that I got that brawler controller, dude, I might actually play some more N64 games because of that. And I got that TV up there configured to... Uh, go into that like perfect frame as if it was on a smaller so it's a flat screen of course but yeah i've got it configured to where i can you know play n64 games it's not stretched and looks like garbage so either way that was my thought on a uh, conqueror's bad fur day overall dude uh i thought it was phenomenal it was probably one of my favorite games that i played in a long time uh next one of course you know biomutant that i'm playing currently uh i'm mildly disappointed in a sense yeah, um, it's, that was the general consensus. Lots of, lots of promises, just not enough polish to really make it shine in any one way. Yeah, and it's not so much that it it's like super fetch questy. Oh yeah, like I haven't gotten that far in it um, in terms of like the fetch quest component. But I would say that from what I played so far, the most disappointing thing for me is the lack of voice acting. Yeah, that's the big thing. Like you I got can that one narrator. Yeah, and I can look past. Like, seriously, I can look past some of the technical things, right? Like, there was a scene where it was, like, a shaky screen, right? During a, a cutscene. Didn't worry about it, right? I wasn't worried about that. Um, I can get past, you know, some of the battle components or some of the graphics that are, you know, tied to, like, it has, like, this superhero comic vibe going for it. Um, I can get past little things like that. But what I can't really get past is the narrator. It just drives me up a wall, like... It's just him like telling the story of you as you're going through and all of it. It's it truly shows that they didn't have the budget for voice actors at the end of the day is what it kind of comes down to. Um, and that's why I want the narration aspect, because you can get away with, you know, these characters jumbling in this random language and then have the narrator say he said this, this and this yeah. and this. And then it goes to another line of speech. 
and he says that you should do this. It's like me as that character, right, in that world, I should be able to understand those languages. Yeah. So I think it's I don't it's definitely it. them just working with what they could. I mean, they tried really hard with this game, and I think it looks really cool, and I think it's a really good like attempt. And I'll definitely see look forward to seeing what they're gonna do next for sure. But I know that your that opinion is is basically the opinion of everyone at this point. Yeah, I mean that's kind of the the core issue of that game, and um, you know I'll keep playing it because you know I bought it and I started it and I want to beat it. I don't know necessarily that I'm going to do all of the fetch quest components and explore this entire like large world. I think I'll probably stick to more of the main story, maybe do some exploring here and there. But so far from what I've gathered, it's not as exciting as say like a horizon. Well, you're not going to find anything truly unique anywhere. Yeah. Like going off into the corners and yeah. doing those all those side quests. Yeah, like so far I've done two side quests and one of them was a trash heap pile. I mean, I'm very much in the beginning, but in a trash heap pile to find like certain items and it's more tutorial at that point and then going through like some clothing piles to make you know clothing and both instances it was like the same thing press triangle to interact press square really fast to dig through it and then bring it back and so if that's what the fetch quest type stuff is going to be i'm not going to dig so much into it like you know having just come off of ghost tsushima and then also having played uh, Horizon in the past year and such. So I've already got like this open world. You've got your world. fill of big open worldness. Yeah, exactly. So I'll play this because I want to play it. I want to understand a story. Um, it looks good. And I like the combat style and such in it. Um, so it's it's pretty interesting to dual wield, um, you know, of course, guns and swords and such. And, and go through as like this mutant creature. So I, I like it overall. But there's a lot of things I can't look past. Primarily that narrator. Yeah. And so, uh, well, he we'll doesn't see. go away. You know, I know that's the thing that's bugging me is like, I was hoping at first, you know, I was hoping when I first started playing it, that that was just a tutorial type thing. And then I got into one of the villages and he started translating. I'm like, shit, like this is going to be the full game whole way through. So that's, that's kind of annoying. I have played games with that same voice. Like whoever it is that does those narrations, I've played games with the exact same voice in the past and you kind of get used to it, but I haven't played them in this extent in terms of a long, like RPG. Yeah. So we'll see how that goes. Um, okay. Well, enough about that, man. Uh, let's start jumping into, uh, some of the recent news. I mean, all of this is really tied to E3 and pre E3 announcements. So the first one right here is uh, E3 quietly pulled its official show trailer to remove PS5. So that'll be the first article we're talking about. And uh, let me dig through the rest here. So if you want to enlighten folks, actually, you might have it in front of you, do you? Okay. Article uh, names? Yeah. Uh, after that, we'll talk about uh, Xbox will be built into TVs, Xbox branded streaming devices announced. Uh, we'll then basically just jump into E3 stuff. I mean, for the most part, yeah, just all kind of announcement stuff. So this this pre-E3 thing is like the stupidest thing. Uh, apparently, they released like their trailer for E3 or promotional ad for E3. And it had like somebody like showing hands on all the different controllers. And then an hour and a half after they released it, they pulled it down and released like an edited version that didn't have the DualShock 5 in the intro. And I was like, what the hell? So then I started watching the video uh, and I don't know what the controller at the beginning is. It's like a black controller. And it looks like it's just got red around like 
Not the part where your thumbs go on the was thumbsticks, the, but like the the ball part. Wasn't it the Oculus? I no, it's not Oculus because Oculus has like the split control thing. But it looked like it looked like the premium Stadia controller, huh. kind of at first glance. I don't think it had enough buttons to be that. I don't know what kind of controller that was. I tried to Google it a little bit and I couldn't find it. But this is dumb. Like E three is a trade show. It's about gaming. Like. Lots of the games that they're announcing are going to be multi-platform games. There's going to be stuff that's going to be on PS5. Like, who cares if they don't have, like, a direct, you know, hosted through E3 and they're going to do their own thing? Like, what does E3 hurt or benefit by being like, oh, well, we'll show them. We'll leave their controller out of here and make people possibly question that none of these games are going to come out on PS5. That's how we'll stick it to them. Well, and, and just quick notes, so this dumb. is uh, Andy Robinson at Video Game Chronicle. I, I love reading their articles. They got a lot of good stuff. Uh, so, dude, I agree with you on this. It's completely stupid. Uh, why would you even go as far as removing the PlayStation 5 from that? I understand why, right? It wasn't right? even a console. It's just hands on the controller for like a second. Yeah. Well, and I understand why, right? Because PlayStation or Sony pulled out of this conference back in 2019. They intended to not go in 2020 before it was canceled. And they, of course, are not there again this year because they don't they see value. They knew that when they edited the first cut of the video. That's what's crazy, <laughs> right? So they, they should have known that at least when they uh. edited it. And somebody probably got on them and said, no, 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 because they're not here. Let's go ahead and remove it. All you've done by doing this is bring further light through a controversial topic that benefits Sony because now it's negative press, not necessarily negative to Sony. It's more negative press on the E3 you know, video and it gives Sony a positive light. <laughs> so you Maybe they're like just trying to get something else in the news. Like maybe they didn't, they were like, okay, we have to somehow get our, our name out there like a day before this thing starts because nobody's expecting it to happen, but we can't think of like a good press release. We'll just make a little controversy to stir up. What can we edit together in five minutes to just screw with people? I mean, maybe. I mean, I, I can tell you right off the bat, though, like if you're in that type of position as far as marketing is concerned, you're probably not trying to create controversy uh, in that instance. Like that to me feels like a we our designer or our videographer, whoever was doing this in this video, forgot to remove the PlayStation 5, uh, you know, controller. And, oh, crap, now we got to remove it. Like, that, that seems very last minute. Um, and an hour, hour and a half, I mean, that's a that's not a short period of time, dude. Like, you can edit that out within, like, 30 minutes, I would say, or even less, just to remove that piece yeah. of that video. So, um yeah, I think this was completely by accident at first to release it. It was obviously on purpose to remove it. We know why they removed it. Obviously, it's because of the whole thing of pulling out of the conference and their intentions in 2020 and not being there this year. Sony's come out and outright said they don't believe that the uh, the conference has the vision that is meeting what they're trying to accomplish within the industry. And so that probably pissed off a few people at, uh, you know, what's the company? Is it ESA or something? I think that, something like that. that runs it. Um, yeah. I mean, they probably pissed off a few head honchos that wanted to, you know, like you said, stick it to Sony. But I think it had the exact opposite, uh, you know, exact opposite of what they were trying to accomplish. If you think this is stupid, let us know on our social media. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, next up. The article, not the podcast. Yeah. Next up, uh, Xbox will be built into TVs. Xbox branded streaming devices announced uh, by Eddie McCooch at GameSpot. 
So, oh man, this makes things hard. I've been listening to stirrings that the Xbox Series S should be like available in stores on shelves like again soon. So that's super tempting. Um, there's also the fact that, you know, if I could just get a new TV that has it built in, like, that's pretty cool too, but that's not going to be for a while. It says in the article that they're going to be testing that in late 2021, and America is not one of the markets that they're releasing it in. Why would America not be one of the markets that's being released in if America is the largest market for the Xbox? Uh, well, they're trying to push it hard in Japan, I think. That's still... Like, to save people, because the thing is, so like, dumb. people here will buy an Xbox. People there won't buy an Xbox. So if they build Game Pass into a TV, they don't have to try to sell them an Xbox anymore. But that's the thing that's so stupid is that it, Japan is not against Microsoft and the Xbox because it's an Xbox. They don't purchase it because it's an American company. It's just an it's an extra thing. Like that's the thing. Like the, if the games were just available on your TV. That's a whole new thing because you might be getting a new Samsung TV anyways. And if it's built in, you have access like you don't have to play Game Pass, but at least it's available and it's part of the connective tissue. Well, now we have two issues that are buying Korean TVs to play American video games. It's just a, it's just an option. But the one it. thing that that weirds me out is like, OK, Sony actually makes TVs. I have a Sony TV. Yeah, um, it's kind of. I could use a new TV, we'll say. Yeah. Uh, it has some drawbacks. But if they built, like, a streaming service, like, I don't really pay attention to PlayStation now because I don't think anybody does. So I don't really know if it's worth the money or not. But, like, if I could just sit down at my TV and just, like, have access to, like, a bunch of PS1, PS2, PS3 games, like... That would be cool. Like if I could just sit down and connect a controller to the TV and just play it, that'd be awesome. I'd be all for that. But like, that's what it's going to look like in the future. But now is Sony probably not going to let Microsoft build their technology into the Sony TVs. So now Sony's competing in a different way against other TV manufacturers. And if Game Pass has a better selection, which I think it does, and is like... um more like robust product than PlayStation now. Now all of a sudden, like if I can just get one TV and no console, I'm going to just go with something that has game pass builds in. And then I can buy a PlayStation if I want to buy a PlayStation, but it, it'll be interesting. Well, I mean, my overall thoughts on this, and I think somebody owes me money somewhere, um, potentially Ryan here where I've said that this will be the last Xbox console that's released by microsoft and i think this kind of like puts that nail in that coffin right so you know if there's the ability to play game pass on a tv i can tell you right out i'll buy that tv because i want to get game pass at some point so i can but play some of those gonna games be, there's always going to be third party games that don't want to release on game pass day one which if is there's going to be a ps6 and that means that there's going to need to be an xbox that's also available there to host those but that's the thing microsoft may not go that route microsoft may say you know what because we talked we about just before, want to do the games as a service as our thing it, it might be cheaper for them right so they're getting their games on a tv there's yeah. no hardware so you're not taking a loss on a hardware they're a software component. first company yeah and they've already said we take a loss on our consoles i mean most companies do take a loss on their on their you know hardware so that's so here's what microsoft is doing right 
They're removing the whole issue of we're taking a loss in our hardware. They are gaining subscribers uh, because that's what they're doing right now, right? They're putting out as much software as possible and making it kind of agnostic, right? Like you can be on PC, you can be on uh, Xbox, in this case, uh, potential TV down the road with this type of um, you know program in there. They're getting all the subscription fees that are tied to it. They're getting any sort of games that you end up purchasing you know, as well. So I think at the end of the day, what Microsoft is really trying to accomplish here is cutting out that middleman in a sense, right? No console, just straight to the TV. We're gonna be in your home regardless. And then there's that impulse buy, right? If you see the the Xbox button on the on the remote itself, or you see Xbox pop up on your home screen as an application already pre-installed or Game Pass, that is, you're more likely to download that and be involved in it. And if Having these different services has taught me anything. Like I've got Hulu, ESPN Plus, like all of these different services. Do I use them every day? No, no, I definitely do not. So if you have Game Pass on there, is the average person going to use it every day? Probably not. So how does that work in terms of the downloads, right? So if I download a game on Game Pass, Microsoft probably gets charged whatever piece or, or part by the developer no, for having no, that they, game downloaded, they, right? Or they pay to have it on yeah, there? Yeah, they just pay for a licensing they're just like we'll give you a million dollars if you put it up on day one i get it so at the end of the day if you have all these people that have downloaded game pass but they're not necessarily playing a lot of those games and are just kind of sitting there microsoft could potentially go to that developer down the road and say hey you know what your game isn't getting as many downloads as we thought it was so we want to give you less on that licensing right to have it on game pass and i think that's going to be a good play for them as well down the road so i think this is more you know as you said futuristic component as to what it could be but i think this is kind of that path that i've been talking about microsoft getting rid of consoles and moving straight into game pass and this is a perfect way to do it the it's, easiest way to do it too it's so funny too because like I feel like Sony and Nintendo would be happy to just sell consoles and video games forever. And Microsoft like came in as like, you know, the latest starter in the race, jumped in, was like pretty successful. They had like kind of like not as great a hit with the Xbox One. And then they were like, all right, guys, we're going to shut the whole market down because like I mean, I'm sure Nintendo will always do what Nintendo is going to do, but I could definitely see Sony following suit just as a trend chaser. Yeah, I can see Sony uh, following a suit on this one. Um, what will be interesting to see, though, is if Microsoft, of course, does not release a console next generation, uh, which is easily like this generation is still so fresh if we yeah. start speculating now about the next generation i'm gonna jump off a bridge we spent way too long talking about the what series I, s of the ps5 what i'm saying is that in the next generation if microsoft does not release a console and this does not become what they wanted it to be and they're not getting the numbers that they want i could potentially see them jumping out altogether yeah so you know, speaking of uh you know not having a console we did i haven't seen people saying about how there's not been that switch pro imminent announcement prior to e3 that we were all expecting it's supposed to come monday isn't but that like, nintendo showcases on monday i think no i know but like everybody last week was saying oh they're going to release it before Ooh. e3 so that they can spend the entire presentation talking about games lineup and not have to take a chunk of that time to talk about the pro and then I was talking to another friend and he was like, well, I mean, like, did they ever have like a big 50 minute presentation on like the new Nintendo 
3ds xl and i'm like no not really so this is kind of that type of thing so hopefully we see it well, one day and yeah. it doesn't take up a lot of time so we can see more games. I don't think it will. So I think what will end up happening is they will likely release the console itself. Or not release, but they'll showcase the console. Um, say, here's what we're doing. Here's all the upgrades. And then here's the power of this console with games that are going to be coming out. And I, th I think at the end of the day, you know, we've talked about this before. It's, you know, an upgrade. It'll likely be similar to like a PS4 Pro. You're not going to have new cartridges and everything else, hopefully. Hopefully it upscales you know what was uh with the old switch and then you've got this new super nintendo switch plus pro gigantic xl thing that they're creating whatever it's the hell the name new is new super nintendo switch u xl two but the two is a roman numeral and it's it, with the eyes of course and then uh it's xl that that's what it'll be yeah yeah 3d <laughs> 3d as well <laughs> and then the 2d version is in addition to that uh yeah i mean we'll see but i think they showed a console they and showed it'll a power have a curved display and a curved display <laughs> so you gotta hold it like this so stupid oh my god with the banana controllers of the playstation 3 on the side yeah. <laughs> and it's got a third controller sticking out of the middle we with took, the Z button on the back of it. We took everything oh that God. you thought you wanted in the gaming industry <laughs> and put it into a handheld controller. <laughs> and it plays Game Pass. Oh um, yeah, so I think Monday they showcase the power. They showcase the games that are on it. We get Breath of the Wild 2. We get Metroid Prime well, let's 4. Let's talk about what we've already we'll from there. seen. I know. I'm just giving my, my theory here, dude. I'm calling it now, right? Before it happens. Because I want to be able to, to shove it in your face next Saturday when we record. Well, if they haven't shown it out yeah, of course they're going to show it on Monday. Who knows? Maybe they don't show any of that. We get a disappointing thing like Gearbox. Oh, my God. We'll so let's talk Gearbox. Let's talk uh, no, let's, E3. Let's start at the beginning you, of the day. Uh, begin, no, no. We got to start on a, a negative note so we can jump into a positive note. Okay, let's just go in reverse order then, I guess. Reverse order. Well, okay, I wouldn't so, say the, last, the first one was positive, but go on, go on. Gearbox. So we'll talk about Gearbox first because it was so bad. So... Uh, for anybody not familiar with the Homeworld series, um, I would recommend Noah Caldwell Gervais videos on YouTube. Uh, he goes into like really deep depth in his videos and he talks about Homeworld. I'd never heard of the franchise until I saw his video. So it's cool. It's a cool thing. I think a Homeworld 3 sounds really cool and I bet they could do an awesome job and I would definitely want to check that out at some point. Um, but as far as showing like a little 30 second snippet of somebody saying something about it and then some text on screen about it and maybe like a graphic or two, like that is in splicing that throughout your whole presentation, just bit by bit. It's like, okay, we get it. Homeworld's coming, but you're not telling us anything about it. And it's just, it was so disjointed and poorly. And they were talking about like the gearbox college, which was gearbox, absolute nonsense gearbox university. Gearbox University, like the whole thing, like whoever put that together for them, like there's people that I haven't heard talk about that presentation yet. And I can't wait to hear them rip it apart. Like, I feel like it was worse than the, the limited run games, the limited run games. Like I, the bad. limited run games, at least they're not gearbox like they're not a huge thing. And they didn't just follow Randy Pitchford around a movie set like the unscriptedness and just like the like hey guys we've got e3 coming up next week who who did that and everybody just looking around and being like <laughs> get the cameras go but that's not even a thing they pulled like uh what was it uh, tiny tina's uh 
that Wonderlands cool. or whatever. It looks cool, but like uh, they apparently pulled the same exact trailer that they yeah. had shown at um at, uh, at Game the Fest. Game Awards. No, at the Game Awards. So oh. yeah, so that was a while ago. Yeah. So they literally didn't show anything new. So no. yeah, you're right. It was probably the marketing team just kind of sitting back being like, oh shit, this is next week. Yeah. Let's get something together. Like get Randy on set quick. Yeah. The and, one thing I will say is like their coverage of the movie was terrible, but the actual like talking to the people that are involved in it and hearing like their level of like commitment to it, especially Kevin Hart, like you guys haven't really followed Kevin Hart stuff and seen some of his things like that man works tremendously hard and really seems like he's genuinely giving his all to like everything he does. If you hear his specials and like watches like documentary thing, like I really believe that when Kevin Hart says that he did so much preparation for this role and like is really trying to bring his all like, I believe him saying that and that makes me believe in the project more and I'm I was definitely skeptical before but I I think I'm here for it now. I, well, I mean, think I'm ready for this. Well, I think Kevin Hart's really trying hard to not be the next Dane Cook, right? <laughs> and just wipe away from, you know, just be obscure. Well, <laughs> I mean, he's already like the next rock and the rock's still happening too, like Yeah. Well, the rock's different, right? Like he was already a, a huge name from the get-go. Uh, jumping into movies so he had that kevin hart's a little different right he's on the came in as a comedian and such and you know yeah comedians are man kills it in all of his roles he's great as an actor oh i i agree man i like kevin hart um he's got some great movies that he's released but you know what scares me on at the end of the day with this is you know the mindset of we're not just trying to make a good video game movie we're trying to make a good movie that scares me, right? Because I, at the end of the day, want to see a video game movie, not just a standard Hollywood movie. I want to see a video game movie. Well, I mean, but like you want all the zany vibes of Borderlands, but you don't want to just see like people first person shooting. Like it did not work well in Doom. <laughs> yes, that is true. And Rock was in that. Uh, Full to, circle. Yeah. To be honest, though. Yeah, right. This is where his career ends. It's Borderlands. Uh, here's the thing. I haven't really played Borderlands games in the past. I've more or less seen people play them. I'm, you know me, man. I'm not a fan of like the cell shaded type of graphics. You know, it's so weird because I feel like you would like Borderlands with how much you like. Um... Oh God, mm. I'm totally spacing. What was the shooter we were playing online for a while? I haven't played it in like Apex. Apex. Yeah. Oh, I dude. I literally haven't played Apex since I got my new job in February. <laughs> I I haven't played Apex in over a month, but since that's you moved. Yeah, but that's not you know. There's a lot of choice. stuff about Apex that reminds me of borderlands just kind of like some of the the character behind it yeah i'm gonna jump into apex again here pretty soon i just want to knock out conquerors now i've got biomutant and i'll I'll kind of uh, play it along but but end of the day i'm not super excited for a borderlands movie um and you know i mean this was super cringeworthy you know he's just going most excited about after that whole presentation though yeah and that's the thing like i'm not excited for the movie I'm not a big Borderlands fan. I didn't like the Midgard game, whatever they had shown. It just, it looked... That was also old. Yeah. So what they produced in that was... Nothing. Yeah, nothing. Just old stuff that we already knew about through Randy Pitchford on set to go ahead and do this like weird docu-series as he's talking to people about the movie and such with no footage, right? Overall. You think that knowing you've got a whole year to prepare for this, they would have put their best foot forward and really tried to do something, especially if they were going to do their own show, because I don't think Gearbox usually does their own show. I think they usually tag on 
with like Xbox or PlayStation or somebody like that. So it was like, I thought they would try at least. Well, it just doesn't seem like they really tried to do anything. And the weirdest part about all of this was the Godfall downgrade. Yeah. So a game that... Remember that PS5 exclusive? Yeah, that PS... Eh, it didn't sell so well. Yeah, so we let's... hear some of you PS4 players might spend money. Yeah, that's, that's all I got from that, right? So the game itself didn't do so well. It wasn't, you know, well-received. Uh, it's lackluster from what I've told. So for it being what it is, it's a looter shooter, right? And uh, It's a looter slasher. Looter slasher, that's right. Looter slasher. So I don't know why I said shooter. Um, because that's, that's what else they make. No, that's true, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it just... It wasn't very well received it didn't sell very well now it's like let's go ahead and do this random ass downgrade on ps4 what was supposed to be a hey this can only run on the playstation 5 mm-hmm. well apparently it can run on the ps4 just as well once you downgrade it and this coming after like i remember there was a lot of stir in the last week or two about um other games being announced as like multi-generational like the next god of war is going to be on both gran turismo is going to be on both And those things were things that were set up originally to be as PS5 exclusives. And PlayStation made a big deal about we believe in generations. And now they're just walking back on all of it. Yeah. Well, I mean, we knew this was coming, though, right? Because it happens almost every generation with Sony is the game is typically released on both consoles towards that end of the life cycle, beginning of the other. It's always been a thing. But at the end of the day, though, I mean, there's... You know, like uh, with God of War, for example, on the PlayStation 4, it wasn't released on the PlayStation 3, the most well, recent it was, one. The PS3 I, hadn't been out for years. No, I, I get it. But what I'm saying is, like, it comes to a point where, like, you don't need to put certain games on the older yeah. console, yeah. right? So it, it could be a year, whatever it may be. I mean, actually, technically, it Who will have been around Who knows what they're predicting the console shortage to be for how long, though? Well, yeah. Well, and I get it. That could be part of it. You know, it could be that... They don't believe every household is going to have a PS5, so they want people to get that game. And then if you have the PlayStation 5 upgrades for free, super cool. Like, that actually sounds pretty badass uh, from that component. But um, we'll see overall, dude. I think that uh, the whole the whole thing, like I said, cringeworthy, the whole thing with uh, Godfall being downgraded and popped back onto the PS4, all of the backtracking, the poor docu-series type thing of Randy Pitchford, Overall, I would say this isn't running for worst show. This is the worst. I I don't know, man. I'm Li- calling it now, John. Limited so run. So that everybody knows on Monday that I called it before it happened. Li- <laughs> but it already happened. Limited run, I think, was worse, to be honest. Because uh, it was just trailers. and a couple years ago. Yeah, with the uh, the clapping of the yeah. hands and stuff. and the fa- That was really weird. All right, on to better things. On to better things, yes. Uh, let's, let's do Ubisoft here. Okay, John yeah. just doesn't want to. I thought we would go. I'm saving know, the best for order, last. Okay, I agree with that. It is very much the best for last. So we'll talk about Ubisoft first. So um, Ubisoft, I mean, you even start with your notes as meh. <laughs> like <yeah>. Ubisoft <laughs> was very meh. I'm not a big Ubi person. Um, also, uh, you know, they've been involved with a lot of bad news this year. You know, there's been a lot of abuse going on over there and it hasn't really been formally addressed in a way that's satisfying. So trying to support Ubisoft is hard enough when you don't really care for their games, let alone when they're being like a completely horrible company. Well, and they apparently apologized back in like September or something, but they didn't even address it 
uh, during this. Like at any point, they no. didn't apologize or anything. They, they had were, the COO guy on there, and I was expecting him to say something. And Jumeau just like swam right past it like nothing happened. But yep. talking about the actual games and stuff, um, Extraction, I'm not into Rainbow Six. Uh Siege looks really cool, and for this to be like something that uses those same characters but in a different game type, and I know that there's been a lot of changes. Like originally, it was supposed to be like an infection, and then COVID happened, so they had to like, dance away from that, and then they turned it into this alien thing instead. So, like the DNA is still there. They just had to change some story stuff. Probably not that big of a thing, but listening to other people react to this. This seems like if Call of Duty was trying to sell the zombies mode as its own thing, instead of just like making a it part of the same thing. So like, I don't know what the the pullback on this is going to be and how involved people are going to be in it. Like if there's a story or if it's just like same game characters, different game mode. You know, so not super interested in that. You got anything on Extraction? No, I mean, I've never been a, a Tom Clancy type fan for any of those games. It's never been something I've dug into, so it's not something I'll dig into now. Like, Another thing people are saying is like, why are they so afraid to try something with Splinter Cell? It's like it's like Splinter Cell's becoming like the new like um, Half-Life 3. Like they're just not going to make another Splinter Cell. You Which is kind of making dumb. Ghost Recon stuff. Yeah, because I've always heard of Splinter. I mean, again, I, I've never been a fan of Tom Clancy stuff, but I've always heard really good things about Splinter Cell. Yeah. And the fact that they aren't jumping back into that is kind of weird. I mean, even even a remaster, a remake, a reboot, mm -hmm. whatever you want to do, like just do it because you've got the original, right? So, dude, I'm sure Xbox would throw tons of money at them to make like a Game Pass exclusive. Because uh, Splinter Cell, I remember being like. My friend got an Xbox and he got Splinter Cell and we stayed up all night playing it. Yeah. I mean, I, I, like I said, heard good things. I think that they could go that whole remaster route like they're doing with like Prince of Persia and they would probably get a lot of people jumping on board just to play that particular game. And I mean, it's been working, right? All the remasters and reboots. So why not do it with Splinter Cell? Yeah. Um, I do want to talk about Writer's Republic for a minute. Not really my bag but I think it looks great and I would definitely play it if it was like on game pass or something. Cause like there's just so much on offer to do. Like it looks very arcadey with it's like uh, the snowboarding looked like very Tony Hawk and fun. The downhill bike racing looked like it would be like, you know, very engrossing full screen on your TV. Like, especially if you were playing multiplayer with people you knew and just like talking shit as you're riding down the mountain together, like, the wingsuit seemed, I mean, I don't know. That's kind of cool. This would be a dope VR game for sure. So maybe like PSVR 2 will get like a version of this or something. I would check that out. Um, but I was surprised at how interested I was in it. Because like when they came out with like, what was it like? Um, the slope or something. They came out with like some game about like, downhill skiing and snowboarding or something ascent i don't, I don't know it, it was like a couple years ago and it was like a live thing that they had going on which was a similar kind of idea but this is just such a a fresher looking approach yeah i mean i haven't played any games like this since <laughs> to be honest jeremy mcgrath's like uh 
what's it called? Uh, motor Supercrosser, Jeremy McGrath, <laughs> Jeremy McGrath Supercross, sort of back on like PlayStation 2. I think it was the last time I played anything similar to this or like Cool Borders. Um, I had shit. I don't even think I played SSX Tricky in terms of snowboarding. So Dave Mira, Dave, that Mira, was like BMX. Yeah. This isn't like BMX. No, this no, is like downhill not. biking. Yeah. So like I, I haven't been a huge fan of this type of stuff in years past. I might for like the snowboarding component be interested in like as a PlayStation Plus type of thing, like a free game. The like, thing is though, it's gonna be on like Ubisoft's stupid service. Yeah. Which like if. If Game Pass gets a hold of it the way they got a hold of like EA's stuff, that'd be cool. But I just I can't imagine there's that many people out there that really want to like give EA their money every month instead of just like buying those games one time. Yeah. Especially like a couple months later, I'm sure Ubisoft games just drop. They absolutely do. I mean, shoot, you can look at um Assassin's Creed games. Mm -hmm. An Assassin's Creed game could come out like just before Black Friday and it's on sale for $35. Yeah. Like seriously, like right after it's been released, like 35 bucks for a brand, like brand new game that just yeah. came out and they're decreasing the price right away. And they just, I don't think their games really ever hold their value and are just trying to sell as many as possible and get it to as many homes as they can. So they can jump in with the, the loot boxes and the extra skins and yeah. every other piece that they have to generate that income. So it's, let's go ahead and throw as many of these games out there for as cheap as we can. And then we'll just take their money in other fashion. I mean, like, they're definitely it pumping it. Like they said that they're going to be supporting Assassin's Creed Valhalla through 2022 I'm guessing that that's going to give them time to like really kind of build a new one on a longer timeline because it's like having an annual or a semi-annual release is a lot like maybe if they gave it like three years till the next one or four years till the next one like they might have some room to breathe and kind of reinvent and take a step back. Well, that's what they're doing. So I don't know if we talked about this in the past or we have an article on it, um, but I was reading something not too long ago that the approach that they're taking is no longer assassin style. It's just going to be like this Valhalla just open stuff. world like, stuff. Yeah. Just open world stuff. And they're the hidden blades are gone. Yeah. They're pretty much from what I had read a while back and don't quote me on this, but um, I'm pretty sure done with the whole assassin component and moving on to Creed. other things. Yeah. Creed, right? <laughs> there's no, Not the Rocky. There's no legal aspects in that. <laughs> um, I do want to talk about the, uh, the avatar game, the wrong avatar game. That was announced. Oh, yeah. so yeah, that dude, I just, I, I understand. I see them. I understand what they're doing. I know why they're doing it. I just don't think that many people care. Yeah. That's, Honestly, like everybody's like looking at this. Everybody that I saw react to this is like, so a movie tie in for a game that or um, a movie a that came movie out like 10 years game, ago. Yeah. For a movie that's over a decade old. Like I know they're coming out with four or more like. Maybe it's just so that they can try to recap people and catch them up. Because I'm sure, like, there's kids that are old enough to play that game that weren't born when the movie came out. And that's a bizarre circumstance to be in. Well, and the movie itself, like, I wasn't a huge fan of that movie. It but... was cool looking. Like, to yeah. go see it in 3D and be like, 
whoa. But like, that, but that was, was like f- the part of it, right? So yeah. the reason you went to see that movie was wasn't that? necessarily for the story because no. the story was yeah, the like, story just was wasn't just good. Dances with Wolves. Yeah, it wasn't a good story. Yeah, I remember hearing all about that. Dances with Smurfs. Yeah, That's dances what they with did Smurfs. In, uh, South yeah. Park. Yeah. So. It, you know, the movie itself wasn't very good. It was more so for the graphic, or not the graphics, but the the visual aspects of that film, more so than the story. So you're creating, and and if you think about the sales, right? The reason it did so well back then and sold as many movie tickets as it did, for one thing, it was in theaters longer than anything else I can remember. It was right at the height of 3D. Yeah, right at the height of 3D. It had the visual components. Everybody and their mom and grandma wanted to see it because it was the hot trend, right? If you release that same movie today after everything that is in market and has happened since that period of time, it would not do nearly as well as it did uh, back then. So I think, you know, putting in a game, half the audience or three quarters of the audience that watched that movie back then probably doesn't even play video games, let alone is interested in a video game of that. Yeah, and I... I don't know. We'll we'll see what it is. Maybe it'll be like a different story. Like, I don't know. All I know is it's the wrong Avatar game. Yeah. I wanted Last Airbender and we got blue people. Yeah. Um, uh, so <laughs> next is uh, Mario Rabbids. Mario Rabbids. Uh, Sparks of Hope. I've not played Mario Rabbids. I don't But like I've it. seen like uh, Super Beard Bros. You can, can borrow a playthrough mine. of it. I will want copy. to borrow yours at some point. But I think that they took that idea and they ran with it. Like it was so cool to be like, okay, everybody had a gun in the first one and they were all a little different, but now we're going to give Mario two. We're giving peach like a big parasail. Luigi's got a bow. Like we're going to throw more characters in there, more zaniness. I'm here for it. I think that everything I saw from the first one, I liked and I think it was a really solid foundation. And I think there's so much passion from that team specifically. Like, He's the guy who was like crying in the audience at E3 because he was like being recognized about it. And it's like, you know, I'm here for passionate people and they're awesome projects. And I think that this still leaves the door open for Nintendo to be able to maybe trust more people with more IPs so that we can see more stuff. You know, like it's cool that Diamond and Pearl is being made by another company now. For Pokemon, like, that's not something you would really have seen before. So I think allowing more people to touch these IPs is going to bring more fresh ideas like that in. And I'd love to see, like, like a special announcement since this is in like, a galaxy setting. Like, bring Samus in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm just not a fan of, like, the style of gameplay. So to Mario Rabbids, uh, initial Mario Plus Rabbids, however you want to call it, uh, I wasn't a big fan. My wife and I played it a little bit. We didn't really enjoy it too much. We probably played a few hours and said, eh, not for us, and and put it up. Yeah. I, I paid, I think, 15 bucks for it. So it's not like I paid a crazy amount. It's still pretty cheap to begin with. So it's not a game that's really held any value from that end. So you can pick it up now, like, super cheap. Yeah. And uh, Or even on sale through, like, digitally. But I'll, I'll loan you my copy at some point so you can check it out. And um, this just doesn't excite me. It really doesn't. Uh, maybe I'll get it one day when it's super cheap and it's $10, $15 and going on clearance. Yeah. Uh, but other than that, not something I want to play. Just more shelf dressing. Just more shelf dressing. That's all it is. But let's get into uh, the better stuff here. Devolver. Devolver killed it, man. Every year, Devolver killed it. And I can't wait to become a subscriber so that I can get... Uh, what were they saying? It's... Uh, 
God, I don't really remember, but they... Premium purchases for free, or... Yeah, and they're like, oh, and you can purchase the games for free. Wait, that doesn't make any sense. Oh, monetization as a service. Yeah. That's what it was. Monetization as a service. You get a free membership so that you can have access to pay full price for actual release products. Like, it's a revolution in gaming. Gaming hasn't been touched in this way in years. So it's it sounded like... You can watch advertisements and such to get like real fake money that you could utilize to purchase certain games. No, it was, it's it's all just a joke, dude. Uh, dude, it they're it seriously sounds that, like a they're legit just saying concept. That you can just like you could just buy their games. I know, but it seems like a legit concept to be honest. Like, yeah, watch you could watch sell these that ad- to somebody. Yeah, watch these advertisements, take these surveys, whatever it may well, be. Well, they do that on mobile all the time. I know. So why wouldn't they be able to do it on console through a subscription service? Like you get a free service, you get to watch different commercials and such. And at the beginning, you get different bits of currency and you can use it to play games. And, oh, you want to get that other game for free? Here's a survey. Here's data. Like you're basically selling consumer data to these companies and then getting to play the games for free is kind of how it would look like. Right. I think that could work. Like. I think that could be a service. Let's hope it doesn't would come be... to that. I, I like their approach of just being able to purchase games for their value and get them. Like, what if... what if That's Microsoft... why we both jumped on Demon Throttle. I texted John. I was like, dude, did you order Demon Throttle? Get He's... me one. Okay, to be fair, Ryan said Demo Throttle. I was like, well, what it, the fuck are you talking about? Demo with a period. You were supposed to know that, obviously, my phone autocorrected. Demon is not an autocorrect type of word. You just straight up miss the N. The N and the period aren't near each other on the keypad, I don't think. Uh, here, we will. I'll open up a text right now because it would be on there, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's next to a space and an enter. So I can see where you would do that by accident, but you just straight miss the N. <laughs> it's not a... You don't autocorrect demon to demo. Like, if I did it right now, Ryan. Let's see. Let's see. Demon. Oh, look at that. It comes up as demon. Oh, okay. No, I get what you're saying. So, yeah, yeah. I probably, like, misclicked on the N and then hit a space and it automatically turned it into a period. Keep in mind, I hadn't watched the whole, like, uh, Devolver thing until this morning. So, he's just like, demo thrall. I have no idea what he's talking about. But after I watched it, I ordered us two copies. So, it worked out. Uh, So, dude, I'm super excited about that. I love the idea that it is physical only. Uh, so that's super cool. Uh, no worries about the digital component on that, which is, you know, I hope they do more stuff like that. We're like, hey, physical only, you know, no digital. And it it increases the collectability component of it, right? Yeah, but it shreks their overall sales. It does. Because you're probably leaving like 60% on the table at that point. Potentially. I mean, it, this might be just one of those For a smaller title, yeah. for an indie title. Like, obviously, yeah. like, Nintendo could release a physical only game and probably... Well, they would still lose out on money. They would still lose out on some money. But, you know, I think with an indie company like this, this is more so that let's kind of reach out to those collectors that love the strictly limited games and the the indie type titles. And let's bring them in with this. Hey, it's not digital. It's physical only. You have to buy it here. You're not going to get it anywhere else. I think that's pretty cool. I think that's a cool piece. But it's a a top-down shooter. And uh, it looks badass. Uh, I love the whole thing of what was it? A, a demon kissed my wife or something like something that. That's like how they that, open yeah. it up. It, it was fun. So go check that. Check out that trailer. Um, I'll tell you though, man. What I was most excited about outside of that game was Trek to Yumi. Uh, Yomi. Yeah, Trek to Yomi looks dope. I love to see games where they like 
take like a whole different visual approach and like the whole thing that you see is all in-game footage no pre-rendered anything mm-hmm. so you know what you're you're looking at there that we didn't get to see like a lot of gameplay per se for it but a couple scenes um it doesn't look like it's going to be like a crazy long or crazy deep game but it'll definitely going to be like kind of like a side-scrolling ghost of tsushima or something like that but like in that old film grainy style yep to me it's like cool yeah old samurai cinematic style game with i'm hoping story driven less so focused on you know crazy amounts of gameplay just like super story driven with just enough gameplay to kind of bring you in and short like that's what i want with something like this you want to send you us out of it. Oh, dude, I, I'm excited for this one. So once I see pre-orders go up, uh, which they probably already are, uh, I'll look for a physical copy on that. That's 2022 on that one. Uh, Phantom Abyss was the other one that was pretty cool. Uh, I know you're pretty excited about this one, but I think the, the whole concept on these like dungeons that you're supposed to get through and you only get one shot to get through them. And if you die in that dungeon, you never see it again. Like it's supposed to be this like mirrors edge style game where you're going through dungeons, kind of like it's like Temple Run, yeah, but in 3D. Yeah, in like that first person mode. Yeah, super cool. It looks super neat, and the fact that like each dungeon can only ha- only one person can beat it, and the fact that you're following like the ghosts of all the losers and not like the one person who beat it because nobody's beaten it yet. That's so cool. I'm so here for that. It's not, again, like this is another game that like, this is not something I usually would really look at picking up, but you know, there's some level of trust that Devolver has built into me. And I don't know if it's just good advertising on their part and how they talk shit about the rest of the industry and stuff. But like all of the titles that they put out in this you know, show look super quality and all the games I've ever played from Devolver have been super high quality. And like, it just makes it even that more of something I probably would buy or play just because it's got that backing it and it looks cool. And like for someone to like, have never been a fan of like runner games or things like that to pull me in, I'm like, Okay, you did it. You're successful. You're doing the the right stuff here. Yeah, I I agree with you, man. I think it's super cool, and I'm definitely excited to try and jump into it. Uh, I would say that uh, one that I wasn't too big of a fan of, or the two that I weren't or wasn't a big fan of, were uh, like Death's Door and Wizard with a Gun. Uh, Wizard of a Gun, we didn't really see anything, right? It was just kind of... We saw some. It was mostly that animated trailer, but there was a little bit. It reminds me of like don't starve or something like any one of those kind of like top down kind of isometric perspective, like uh survival games that are multiplayer. I don't know what all the survival elements are, but like the animated trailer made it look really cool. And then the gameplay trailer was like, okay, I see what you're doing here. I just think that I need to see more of it. Like if you are like spell slinging out crazy bullets and like freezing enemies in place and doing cool combos and stuff like, that looks like it would be cool, but like the animated trailer versus what the actual gameplay trailer did leave very different impressions of what it's actually going to be. Like. Yeah. Yeah. Overall, those, I wasn't super impressed. And I guess the other one was inscription. I, 
I wasn't super impressed with that one either. I mean, these are some of these are just games that I typically wouldn't pick up. Just off genre for you. Yeah, it's just not something I typically. I enjoy. think Inscription looks super dope. I've dabbled in like some card things. Like I was super into Monster Train for a while, and I've played Slay the Spire and. Uh, there was a couple other games that like, I never actually like got into, but I saw and looked neat. And this is kind of on that vein. Like, I think the horror aesthetic and like kind of the creepy imagery of it, that definitely draws me in and makes me a lot more intrigued. Like if not for a game to play just for fun, like whenever, I definitely think this would be a fun game to like sit down with my friends and play like around Halloween or something, you know, just to kind of get that vibe for it. Um, so I, I'm there for inscription. I think that that's one I would definitely want to look at. Um, I thought death's door, uh, looked super cool though. I thought that there was like a lot going on there. Um, I mean, maybe it's just kind of coming off the back of Hades, you know, a few months ago, like I'm really, interested in that type of game and more of that and it looked like there was a lot of different like abilities and powers and like lots of different options for stuff to do so you know diversity in those games is super important and also the most fun part i mean like how much cave blazers did i play and that's just because there were so many different like combos and items and abilities and stuff to use in that so this looks like it's gonna have a lot of different stuff I would say that the one that you didn't have on there that I really enjoyed watching was Shadow Warrior 3. I've not played any of the Shadow Warrior games, and I thought it looked really cool and interesting, but... So then what you're saying is we should play on one of our future inflation deflations, Shadow Warrior on PS4. Sure. Sounds good to me. Uh, I felt it looked pretty cool, dude. It had like that, that Doom vibe going for it. It you know? did, but... And that's exactly what I was thinking, Doom vibe, but... In Doom, you're relentlessly moving forward. And this was definitely a step back towards an older genre of game where it's like... Kind of like Unreal Tournament. You can just like take your guns out, shoot, and circle strafe around. Yeah. It felt like Unreal Tournament in a way. Just with Doom-type elements, if that makes sense. I felt it looked pretty cool. So it won't be like a day one purchase for me no. by all means. Yeah. But uh, it's something that I would definitely be I interested in picking it. up. Yeah. Uh, and then we did say best for last uh, here in terms of E3 and pre-E3. How about Elden Ring? Oh, you didn't, didn't even it. talk you didn't, about You didn't mark it. I'm like, in the back of my head, I'm like, you didn't mark it. Elden Ring, we got to talk about this. That was, yeah, that was Summer Game Fest. Oh my God, Elden Ring looks so good. Dude. And like the fact that you can like jump like in Sekiro and like the quickness of some of the strikes and combat and like, the open world the riding the mount like oh man i am so ready for that it feels so weird to have always been like kind of just whatever with from soft stuff like i played dark souls 2 like five years ago for the first time or something and it was okay and i didn't get that far in it well it was like the worst one <laughs> well and then i played like a bunch of dark souls 3 i played all of bloodborne i played Sekiro, and that was all in like the last year Mm-hmm. Maybe? Yeah. Maybe I've, last two years? I've beat most of their games that they've released. And uh, as far as, like, you know, the Dark Souls, Demon Souls, uh, Demon Souls obviously being the IP for Sony, um, Bloodborne, and then uh, Sekido, and then, of course, this will be the next one that I jump into. Uh, so, dude, I am absolutely stoked. I just, I sat back with my wife and just showed her, and she was just like, <laughs> 
oh that looks pretty cool yeah and like these are not games that she likes and she's just watching like the combat going i think i could play that well and for a series that usually has such background lore like a lot of some stuff is very obvious but it's mostly known for having to read through stuff I'm really interested to see what Martin is going to bring to the table as far as like upfront characters and storytelling because like I like Game of Thrones the show I mean obviously you know not the end with what happened at the end of it that's whatever but it's like those characters were great and the actors brought a lot to those characters and I'm sure a lot of stuff was turned for you know that but like i got to imagine he wrote those characters originally they were all really compelling interesting characters so like i definitely want to see more of that and less of like oh i don't know you talk to this guy he says like one line and you run into him later but like his backstory is so tragic and if you find these items and read all their descriptions you'll get a vague idea of it but somebody on youtube put together an amazing description of it like I want something more direct this time. Yeah. Sekiro yeah, I, was much more direct. Oh, yeah. Sekiro is definitely much more direct. Uh, but, dude, this looks great. It's already up for pre-order. If you haven't pre-ordered it yet, standard edition, I think it's 60 bucks, And uh, you can purchase it on PS4 and, you know, last generation, of course. The upcoming generation, I personally am waiting for a collector's edition to hit the market on PS5. And I'll pick up a PS5 version of this so I can play it down the road. I know that I can upgrade it and all that good stuff, but I want it for PS5. Like, I want the standard disc so I can play it on that console. Um, but yeah, so I'm stoked. Uh, let's jump into our inflation deflation of this week. So we played a little Pokemon Snap, developed by HAL Laboratory, published by Nintendo. You got to save the designers because I'm going to fail at this. Okay, uh, Shigazo Koase, Takeyuki Machida, uh, Masanobu Yamamoto, Shizu Higashi. Higashiyama. Higashiyama. Oh, I actually got it before you. Uh, okay, and so this was released July 26th of 1999. Uh, game type-wise, it is a first-person rail shooter slash photography game, uh, which is interesting you call it a rail shooter, but, I mean, it technically is. Uh, and the overall reception of this game when it came out was mixed reviews, but uh, they were anywhere from about 7.5 to 8.5 is what we were finding. You had those 85 out of 100s and 87 Dude. out of 100 and such. The rating of this game when it came out was like, oh, yeah, more Pokemon. Woo! That I mean, was the rating. This really, <laughs> when yeah, this, this came out. This really, what it came down to was a game that was released during a major hype of Pokemon, and it was anything you can get Pokemon, right? So we had Pokedexes back then. Anybody had, under 35 will be there. Yeah, we had Pinball, we had Pokemon Snap, of course, we had tons and tons of Pokemon everything. I mean, at the end of the day, it was just because it was Pokemon, you wanted to buy it. And I feel like we're in a similar craze right now. Uh, so you've got all the Pokemon cards going crazy off the shelf. You've got Pokemon Snap coming back out. You've got, uh, it wouldn't surprise me if there's a new Pokemon Pinball. Um, oh, that'd be so cool. It'd actually be pretty badass, but it's not something I would buy. Uh, the new Pokemon game serves like this huge oh, especially craze. especially if it was like touchscreen on the Switch and you could turn it like notebook style so that it's like longer like a pinball that'd be pretty cool table yeah they don't use very many like book style control games no they really don't um but yeah i think that you know it's a huge craze for pokemon and we're getting it now we got it back then this game in general i mean it dude i haven't played this game since i was like at my friend a joey's house yeah like at my friend joey's house when it just came out and so we're sitting back at his place and like just 
playing Pokemon Snap and uh, what was the other game that we played? It was actually one of our first inflation deflations, uh, Rival Schools. Mm. We were sitting back playing Rival Schools, Pokemon Snap, Resident Evil, all these other crazy games that had come out back then. And I just remember like back then I didn't have a whole lot of fun with it uh, because I was so used to playing Pokemon, right? Yeah. Like just Pokemon and collecting cards. This was nowhere near what I wanted to play. Same thing with Pokemon Pinball and a Pokemon trading card game on the Game Boy. Same deal. I didn't want to play those. I wanted just Pokemon and training my Pokemon and battling and doing that. Like that's all I ever wanted. And so when this came out, I wasn't excited. Uh, but I can tell you that today it was a lot more exciting. Uh, playing this game so it's super cool to like just sit back twist the camera around with the crappy n64 controller snapping photos of pokemon trying to capture them in their elements and what they're doing so like the electrode exploding and uh, throwing an apple at electabuzz to have him like electrocute everything and um you know a situation of, like kangaskhan and lapras in the distance super cool stuff i definitely enjoyed myself and it actually like it kind of geared me up for wanting to buy the new pokemon snap uh, because of that because I mean you're looking at n64 graphics and the coolness of it of this game that was released in 99 and here we are you know 22 years later with a new iteration of Pokemon and I just yeah it's just it caught me dude like I definitely I want to play the newest Pokemon snap because of this today I want to finish this one yeah that too like I like just... I remember all like the or a bunch of the tricks and stuff still like I want to throw like all the apples in the whirlpool to get a Gyarados and I want to do like all the different things like and I love looking at that I was so stoked for like the power plant level and stuff like I really dig this game and I'm super happy to be able to play it again it's an awesome game this is just off a whim too man like I'm just sitting back looking at my games on N64 because it was the only console I had hooked up upstairs and uh yeah, I was like, this is the right price point for us to discuss. Yep. Well, we'll get down to brass tacks here. So, uh, complete inbox, one hundred and thirty nine fifty nine. That is peak current, and it's going up still. Uh, loose, currently twenty two sixty four. Uh, peaked at thirty one sixty in May. Uh, is since dropped all the way down, like you know, nine bucks, and it still looks like it's going down. I'm guessing that the inflation of the complete inbox and the downturn on the loose is because the new snap is out. Like this all happened right around when the new snap was coming up. You could see the chart. I mean, obviously game collection prices have been building over the last year, especially. So, you know, it's not off trend for it to be going up, but for each of them to be hitting their peak, like right around the time where Pokemon snap was coming out. And then one of the markets falling out from under it, obviously seems like it's tied with that yeah and here's the thing man at 2264 uh yeah right now absolute steal uh i mean that's it used to be probably like 15 bucks for a while like years ago but uh look you're looking at a a 30 percent discount roughly on this game right now compared to where it was just a month ago i mean it was it was 11 bucks uh, and under basically from February 2020 and before like it peaked before that it had a high price in August 2016 probably somebody just overpaid for it once but I mean this was like a like a $10 game yeah up until pandemic and it's not going anywhere price wise I mean 22 is probably the bottom out right now in this game uh, given that game prices where where they are right now it might go lower years from now we'll see but as far as my collection is concerned 
it's staying steady. Nothing's I'm, happened over the last like four or five months. It has stayed where it's at. So I'm I'm kind of wondering if if this is a new new bottom out. This twenty two sixty four right now. I'm gonna go even further than saying that this game is just right. Okay. I'm gonna say that as I'm sitting here looking at the price charting, the box art. Uh huh. This is great box art. Oh yeah, it is. This is really good box art. I would I would almost say that for under a dollar per original Pokemon in the series at one hundred and thirty nine fifty nine, buying the complete with the box art is worth it. I mean, you're saving twelve bucks right there. No, eleven fifty because of one hundred fifty one. It's less than a dollar for every Pokemon. I know every Pokemon isn't in this game, so don't don't throw that at me. But I'm just saying, <laughs> I like that box art. It would look really nice on a shelf. I think I've got box art for Pokemon Puzzle League. I don't think I have box art for Snap. We'll have to go upstairs after this. I'm kind of curious now what I have a box art for. Um, but look, at 2264, I think it is, uh, at this point in time, I'd say it's deflated you right think? now. Yeah, you know, and the main reason I bring that up is the current existing market and where it's at. You know, I brought this up last week for... It should be more played. expensive. It should be more expensive based on where the market is at. And so at 2264, I think that if you jumped on it right now in June of 2021, you would be getting a pretty decent price at this current market. I mean, it could also be that, you know, maybe sales just slowed down on it because people are buying the new one and somebody was able to way underpay for it. Like, it might not be everybody's going to be able to get this for 22 bucks moving forward. Yeah. But I mean, here's the thing. If like, even if they're around that price, say it's $24 as an average price or 25 bucks, you should theoretically be able to find this game for about $20 locally. Yeah. Like with no problem. You know, when, when you start bringing up things to people like eBay fees and shipping and all this other stuff and the hassle of, you know, having to send the game out and all of that, you could probably go to a garage sale or a local store or something and pick it up for 20 bucks. Like, and don't be afraid to wheel and deal with local shops too. Like sometimes they're willing to work with you on price uh, if you really want something. So yeah. What are, what are you saying? Deflated as well? Yeah. I'll go deflated also. I'm, I'm right there with you. I think it's definitely something to pick up. It's a fun time. It'll make you want the second one. And if you've got kids and an N64, like this is fantastic. I mean, this is a way to keep them occupied for sure, playing a game. I don't think it is a good education on actual photography. I don't know, man. <laughs> uh, Professor Oak, he knows his center photos and such. He knows those it's poses. It's right in the middle of the frame. Yeah, right? It's like, it's right in the middle of the frame. And uh, it, it was not. It definitely wasn't. Ryan was like off to the left and he's like, it's in the middle of the frame. I'm like, are you kidding? Like, I'm dead center. Well, and good photos aren't supposed to be centered. Yeah, well, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> you got so the I whole two thirds rule. I had an amazing uh, electrode photo where it was like the electrode was uh, with a sad face and it was like right on the edge, and you had like its face on the left hand side, and you had the the cave going out or the power plant to the right of it, and it had like this nice distance yeah. going for it. And he's like, "Ah, this one didn't get the middle of the frame. Ten points." I'm like, yeah. "What?" I'm like, "This is probably the best photo I've taken." So Professor Oak doesn't know his photography. I know. So. I'm interested to see if the professor in the new game, like if they were like, maybe we should ask people who take pictures. Yeah, right. That, maybe we can get some better grading criteria in there. <laughs> that would be pretty cool if they went that route. I don't know. I want to buy it now. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait till it's on sale. It'll hit on sale. Or I just go to Walmart. It's 50 bucks. There you go. 
So yeah. All right. Well, uh, let's see. What do we got next week? We are going to play uh, Plock. 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 I don't know. It's something. I don't. Basically, uh, we'll we'll leave you with this. It is um, uh, ketchup mustard Klansman. Oh my god. Is what is what Ryan described it as as we were playing it, and uh, go go look it up before our episode next week. Check it out. <laughs> the chair fell on Ryan again. This is great. I, I need to just loosen bolts on that thing. Uh, I don't know how you do that every week. Well, it's the like compressor oh, thing oh because you're messing with the compressor well i just tuck my leg back under there and sometimes <laughs> it like hits it and then it goes <laughs> it's the best thing ever uh so yeah catch up and mustard clansman next week aka plock on the super nintendo uh we'll be checking out that game it kind of reminds me of mcdonald's so yeah, yeah. all right well this has been episode 135 of the game inflators podcast my name's john i'm ryan and thanks for listening